the book of Exodus, we continue our story following Moses' journey. Exodus 15, starting with verse 22. It'll be on the screen. It is on the screen. You can read along. You can pull it out from your, um, your bulletin. If you got your Bible with you, you can read along with us. But here we go. We're jumping straight into Exodus. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went to the desert of Shur. For three days, they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why the place was called Marah, which means bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood, or bark even. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling of instruction for them and put them to the test. This is the word of God for the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. We're continuing our series called Caught in Between as we follow the journey of Moses, and there's a lot going on within the story of Moses that we're not going to be able to cover in our last two weeks of this series, and so I encourage you to re-familiarize yourself with Moses's story and with all the stories of the Pentateuch. But just for a quick recap where we've been, First week, Moses was caught in between his desire for comfort and the familiar as well, and between God's calling to a place of discomfort. Last week, he was caught in between certain death by the Egyptians and the sea on the other side, which seemed like an impossibility. And this week, we find our character Moses once again caught in between. However, today, he is caught between God and everybody else and everybody else. So will you pray with me as we journey in this story together? God, thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. It's such a testament about how much of a community and much of a family we are when we were filled with seniors and children. And the first time I came up here, this place was like packed out. Almost like half the people that left are seniors and kids, which shows like there's just life from the beginning of life until all the way through life. And this is an awesome church. I just had to say that before I get started. All right, now I'm gonna get started. But before we actually jump into Moses' story, I do wanna read a few other selections of scripture just to kind of set the mood. Awake. Why are you asleep, O Lord? Arise, cast us, off, not, cast us not off forever. Why do you hide your face, forgetting our woe and our oppression? That's from Psalm 44, from Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you utterly forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I harbor sorrow in my soul, grief in my heart, day after day? From Job 6, if only my anguish could be weighed and all my misery be placed on scales, it would surely outweigh the sands of the seas. The arrows of the Almighty are in me. My spirit drinks in their poison. God's terrors are marshaled against me. From Job 10, I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free reign to my complaint and speak out of the bitterness of my soul. I say to God, do not, do not declare me guilty, but tell me what charges you bring against me. Does it please you to oppress me? Lamentations 5. You, Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. But why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us so long? Restore us, Lord, so that we may return. This is super uplifting stuff, right? Like I said, we'll return to these later. I just wanted to set the stage with those texts just to let you know kind of the, the mood, the, the tenor, the tone. 
um, where we will end up today. And I'm gonna try to move a little bit quicker because we had so much celebrating to do. And so if I go too fast, you can go listen to the podcast and put it on half speed. That way, if you miss anything, <laughs> you'll be able to catch it all, all right? I already know some people do that because they think I talk too fast. So I'm just giving you this strategy. When I miss something, just podcast half speed. You can, you know, then I talk like this. So we're picking up right where we left off last week in Moses' journey. They've just crossed the sea. They're on the other side of the sea. The only thing we're skipping is Miriam and Moses' song of praise and thanksgiving. The Israelites have been hanging around the sea, and finally Moses tells them, it's time to pack up, we gotta go. And remember this fact, it's an important thing that Moses is the one who made this command. It's an important detail to remember. Because Moses had the authority to tell the people that it's time to go because it was God who called Moses to lead these people ultimately to a mountain to worship God and then into the promised land. But you see, no one else really knows the plan except Moses because Moses was the one who got the plan from God. And so they're just following Moses' lead. You know, he said so, we're gonna do it. And at first they were apprehensive, but I mean, after the guy splits a sea and all these plagues come down, if he says do something, they're kind of like, okay, fine, we'll just do it. We'll, just, we'll listen to this guy. But once again, as we see time and time again in the story of Exodus and in the story of Moses, Moses' goodwill is short-lived. Very soon after they leave the sea, they begin complaining again. And if you're familiar with the story of the ancient Israelites, you have heard a common refrain about the Israelites. When, there's a, when they are in some situation they do not like, they are quick to let us know. They are quick to complain. They are quick to you know, grumble. The Bible describes that they are like a person at your office, basically, who's literally not happy about anything ever. You all know who, the Bible doesn't say that, but they just, like, this is my kind of analogy, that they're kind of like that person who can never be happy about anything. There's always gotta find something wrong in every situation. Last week, remember, they, they told Moses, why didn't you just let us die in Egypt? In a few chapters from now, they're gonna go, Moses will go on top of Mount Sinai, and they'll say, he's gone for too long. Let's build a golden calf and worship that. And when he comes back down, they say, don't blame us. You were the one who's gone too long. It's your fault that we strayed. And even a few chapters later, people complain that they're hungry. And so God sends manna, food from heaven. But after a few days, they literally say, OMG. Like literally, oh my God. Why do you have to send us manna again? Can't you send down a cheesy gordita crunch and some high C? That would be great. Again, that's eisegesis. I'm inserting that into the text. That's not, again, sorry. The writers of the Pentateuch, they either have a real bad taste in their mouth regarding the ancient Israelites' whininess, or these people just complain all the time. But I wanna hit the pause button real fast because I feel like that's the common narrative when we talk about ancient Israelites. We always talk about their complaining. We always talk about their whininess, and that's how I've kind of set it up, but I'm kind of manipulating it a little bit. I'm trying to make us feel that way so that we can actually stop and look at it a different way. Like we're used to saying these ungrateful people, God's done so much. Why don't they get it? Why do they lose faith? Why do they choose other gods? But let, let's just stop for a moment, not be so quick to judge, not be so harsh. Instead of chastising their dismissiveness and lack of faith, let's assume that we are in their situation for just one second, all right? Just one second. They're wandering for three days in a place they've never been without water or food. And compared to the 40 years they're gonna wander, three days doesn't seem that much, so maybe that's why we dismiss it. But let's be honest, three days is actually a really long time. I did a three-day fast recently, and every day felt like an eternity. It was awful. And, and let's break it down even further. They're walking through a desert with no direction, so they're basically lost. 
Have you ever been just wandering aimlessly or driving in your car and you've been lost? It's basically every time I drive without a GPS, I feel like the Israelites in the desert. No idea where I'm going. I get off on the interstate and end up going back the other way. Like, so that's a real problem I have. So they're lost in the hot desert. They have no weather channel app to let them know it's gonna cool off or rain. And they can't check Instagram or Facebook to see what everybody else is doing so that they can pass the time. When was the last time you were without your phone for more than like a few minutes? Whenever you just kind of sat and were bored and were alone with your thoughts? When you were in a doctor's office waiting room or whenever you were in the carpool line or when you're in the bathroom, you didn't have something to read. I'm just saying, we all know that people do that. And so when was the last time you just had a, a, a continuous amount of moments, maybe a few minutes, 10 minutes, where you had nothing distracting you and you're like, man, that's a long time. Well, they're wandering, nothing to distract them except for one thing. They're hungry, they're thirsty, they're walking. You know, we got those details. But they also have their kids with them. And how many of you, yeah, yeah. How many of you have ever been on a trip with your kids at all? This period. And how long into that trip before one of your children lovingly says to you, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I'm tired. I mean, it's like five minutes into that trip, right? So if you're walking for three days and you got your kids with you, and they're hungry, and they're thirsty, and they're letting you know, and on top of all of that, you have to carry all the belongings that you could keep, and you can't go back to where you were, so you no longer have a home. Like, literally, you've left a place you've lived your entire life. Even though it was terrible, it was your home, is what you knew, and now you're in this foreign place. You have no idea what's going on. You get your kids saying, Mom, Dad, I'm hungry, and that's where you are. I think that maybe helps us appreciate their angst a little more. Maybe it helps us appreciate how the Israelites might have been um, concerned about their plight, which also helps us understand their furious anger. When after three days without water, they get to a place in the middle of the desert that actually has water. Can you imagine how excited you are? Like, oh my gosh, I'm so thirsty. I'm about to go jump in this water. And they get there and they drink it and it's so bitter. It's acidic. They can't drink it. It's like drinking like really concentrated vinegar, like not an ideal solution when you're thirsty. The irony of this story is thick, is it not? What they think will save them actually, will, actually doesn't, it can't. That's like a foreshadowing of more stories in Israelite history. So what, they, what do they do when they realize that the water's too acidic, when they realize they can't drink it because it's too bitter? They get angry. They get angry, and what we know about anger as humans is it does not exist in a vacuum. It's gotta go somewhere. It's gotta have a landing place. When you're angry, you're not just like, I'm so angry for no reason. It's I'm angry because of this, and then that anger gets projected on to somebody else or something else. I'm so angry at this situation. I'm so angry this is somebody else's fault. And so what do they do? They project that anger right onto the person who made them leave the place next to the sea where there were fish and there were springs and they could sustain themselves. Why did you make us leave this place? They cry out against Moses. Why did you bring us here? What will we drink? And can you imagine Moses here, caught in between, once again, in between what he felt like God was calling him to do, what God had asked him to do, commanded him to do, and how the people are responding and reacting. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been at a time in your life where you felt like you did the right thing, you knew you were doing the right thing. 
And then an obstacle came up. So to everybody else, it looked like you have no idea what you're doing. Or even if there's no obstacle, you felt like this is what I should be doing. This is right for me and my family. This is the calling God's put in my life. This is just, I've discerned. This is what I need to do in my life. And everybody else is like, you're crazy. You're terrible. What are you thinking? Now you've messed everything up. Have you ever experienced that before? If not, I'm sure at some point you probably will if you follow the calling of Jesus because the calling of the Lord on our lives doesn't make sense. And oftentimes people don't understand it. And so what happens right after they put all this anger on Moses? Unlike last week, where Moses cried out to the Lord for help, Moses cries, or the people cried out to the Lord for help. Again, Moses here is crying out. He cries out to the Lord. That's the response. The people get angry. Why did you bring us here? Moses cries out to the Lord. And the phrase cries out is often used in different ways throughout the Bible. Sometimes it's like a cry out of praise, like they cried out exultations upon the Lord. Other times it's petitions. They cried out for the Lord's deliverance. And other times it's lament. And lament is not a religious expression we're very familiar with in modern Christianity. It's not something we feel comfortable doing out loud or saying out loud. But the Bible is very familiar with this expression of faith, the lament. Why are you asleep, O Lord? How long, O Lord, will you utterly forget me? The arrows of the Almighty are in me. My spirit drinks in their poison. I say to God, does it please you to oppress me, to spurn the work of your hands while you smile on the plans of the wicked? All these are expressions of lament found in the Bible. People who are struggling to understand God, they're struggling to understand God, why would you do this or why would you not do this? And people who are not afraid to voice their displeasure with the Lord because they don't understand. Oftentimes, the lament is also wrapped into petitions. So, search me, O God, and know me. How long will you hide your face from me? They're expressions of humans trying to understand why things are the way they are. Why is pain so real? How come God allows bad things to happen? Will God fight for us? Will God comfort us? That's a lament. And in our lives, we, we all have laments. And I've, I mentioned that this whole series is based on a book called Moses and the Journey of Leadership, which was written by a Jewish professor. And he pulls from these ancient rabbi commentaries different thoughts about the scriptures. And I found this one so fascinating that he said, could it be that like Job and the psalmist, when Moses cries out to the Lord in this case, it is not just petition like when they're the sea, but it is a lament. God, why are you making this happen? Why are you allowing this to be? I'm doing what you've called me to do, yet these people, they don't trust me and they hate me and I'm following you and now this water is not right. Like, where are you, God? Like, what in the world, God? Come on. Could it be that Moses in this moment is just frustrated to the point where he has nothing else to say except to express his frustrations? Like, God, why is this happening? Why are you allowing this to take place. The idea of crying out, of lament, can, can be a little uncomfortable for us, though, as humans, right? To voice out loud. Internally, we all struggle with it. We all struggle with why does these things happen. But it seems kind of irreverent to say that in worship, right? Or it seems like we don't have faith if, if we express our lament out loud, if people hear our concern. Have you ever felt that way? Like people might think I'm doubting. I mean, because... I have heard arguments 
where someone will, will say to talk to God in this way, to express doubt, to, to be confused is a lack of faith. They apparently, they, they, they think we don't have enough belief in God and that's why God's not blessing us and that's why we're in this state of lament to begin with and we're just perpetuating our, our bad position in life because we, we're not trusting God, we're not praising God, we're offering God our frustrations and that's not really, that's not good. And to me, that's a boatload of baloney. That's the nicest way I can say that in a sermon. Because when somebody offers to us and says to us, hey, you don't have enough faith because you don't understand, that's assuming that they understand everything there is to understand about God. And guess what, friends? We are not God. And we can't fully understand God. As I briefly mentioned last week, you know, there are times in our lives where, where there's a limit to what we can do. Last week, we talked about God empowers us to do more than we think we can, but also we recognize that there are some situations in our life that are beyond our own abilities. And discerning between when those times in our life are might be the hardest thing we ever have to do. To discern, is this something God's calling me to act in, to be able to take up something, to, to take on something, to be able to make a change, or is this one of those places where, where all I can do is pray, all I can do is hope, the situation at Marah for Moses was different than the one at the sea. You see, the, the situation at the sea, he gave the staff, he said, reach out your hand, but here at Marah, there's nothing Moses could have done to fix that situation. And that leaves us asking God, why don't you always provide the bark, the wood, to make the waters less bitter? God, why are you asleep, O Lord? How long, O Lord, will you utterly forget me? Why do you work in that person's situation, but, but, but not in mine? Why do you heal them, but, but not him? God, what is going on? God, where are you? Like, have you ever been there? Sure, the, the situation worked out for Moses this time, but as we'll learn next week, it doesn't always. Friends, I don't have the perfect answer that will make us feel great all the time about why God does what God does, because I'm not God, and so I can't always answer and speak for God. But let's be honest. We know that life is sometimes really hard. Our souls are thirsty. Our bodies are tired. Our spirits are weak because life circumstances just come and pile up, especially here in the spring, just thing after thing, pile up time after time. There's so much going on that we feel overwhelmed and we're just like, I don't know if I can make it to the next day. Or maybe it's an illness in your family, a family that's become fractured, a job is lost and financial security is thrown out the window. I don't know what's going on with you now, but I know that there are moments in our lives where, where we just feel like we, we don't understand and we're just crying out and saying, God, like, like what, is, what is going on? And we don't want somebody to come and say to us, you don't have enough faith, you don't believe, because you do believe in God. But here's what I do know. I've said this time and time again, but today is a perfect testimony of it. I don't know always why God does what God does, but I do know when those times do come, and if they're here now, or if you've been there, or if you'll be there in the future, that there are people in this church that wanna journey through those with you. As we just celebrated with our seniors and as we remember families who are struggling, I promise you that whatever you're going through, you are not alone. And that it is okay to be confused and frustrated and you don't have to feel guilty for not fully understanding. 
The lament is part of the biblical tradition. It's there for us. And we wanna be with you as you try to figure out, is this something I need to act in now or is this something I just have to pray for? Is this something that I can change with my own hands or is this something that only God can work through? And when we get to those places where there's nothing we can tangibly do, we're not gonna tell you that you're being punished or that if you just believed more, God would fix it. You know what we will do? We will pray with you for a miracle. We will let you know that we love you. We will sit with you when you are lonely. We will cry with you when you grieve. We will go with you to your doctor's appointments. We will cook meals for you. Trust me, I know that our church is very good at that. And when you stumble, we will be your accountability. When you struggle, we will be your support. That's what being a church is all about. That's what being a family is all about. And we wanna be your family. We wanna love you. We wanna be with you to let you know that there's nothing you can do that's gonna remove the grace of God from your life, that God will be with you now and always. And we wanna express that love to you. So whatever it is you're going through, if this is one of those situations in your life where you say, I don't know what to do. God, you've gotta take this. It's okay to tell us, whether it's the pastors or the people in these seats, let us be there with you. Let us journey with you when you are caught in between because you are loved and I hope you never forget it. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that you have called us to be a church and a community together. Please help us know between the times where you are calling us to act and where the times where we just have to do nothing, we can do nothing but lean on you and trust. And in those times of confusion, still be with us. Let us feel that peace that passes all understanding. Help us to know that you are with us now and always. It's the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.